welcome back to Hoops with Book and Sheed for a free agency recap. We actually start this episode off by doing five or ten minutes about the draft. Then we hop into some free agency deep dives. So we talk about Gordon Hayward's decision to leave the Celtics and go to the Hornets, uh, the moves that the Milwaukee Bucks made, and I do a five to seven minute rant about the Pistons offseason. We then talk a little bit about um, the Atlanta Hawks and some of the interesting signings that they had before uh, doing some quick hitters, just talking about, you know, five to 10 other storylines around the league that we found most interesting from free agency. Finally, we wrap things up with uh, some NBA draft trivia that was submitted by a listener. Um, and eventually, she and I spiral into talking about uh, some weird geography things in the United States. So uh, stay tuned to the end if you want to hear that stuff. But as always, thanks for listening. Happy Thanksgiving. Welcome back to Hoops with Book and Sheed. A little uh, pre-Thanksgiving special. Here to recap a little bit of the draft, but mainly free agency. Sheed, thanks for uh, taking the time to, to talk with me. Yeah, you know, happy to be here and uh, looking forward to talking about all things free agency and maybe discussing how our mock drafts got zero picks right. Yeah, that was pretty tough. The other thing I just realized is I can probably stop thanking you for coming on the podcast that we do together and have a joint name on. So um, I'll have to come up with a different little introductory phrase there. Uh, but anyways, on to, free, on to uh, the draft and free agency. So yeah, at a, at a high level, uh, the draft, we did not do a good job with the mock. Uh, we missed all 10 of the first picks. Granted, I think you'll have to correct me on this. I think we might have gotten nine out of the 10 guys in the top 10, right? We just totally messed up the order and the teams. Is yeah, that correct? I think we did. There's a chance. Uh, we had Halliburton yeah. and he dropped. Did we not and have I Vassell think... or did we not have Patrick Williams who went fourth overall? But that was a little wild. I don't know. We definitely did not have Jalen Smith top 10 because no one had That's Jalen true. Smith top 10. And it was. A... I did have him as one of my, as one of my That's true. sleepers though. So maybe he wasn't that much of a sleeper. Yeah, that or me and the Suns are the only people who know what's good. Maybe. You and James Jones on the same wavelength. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, in terms of the draft, like, aside, like, I feel like there wasn't anything particularly exciting that happened. I mean, obviously, any draft is exciting, but no big trades in, like, the top 12 or 15. I guess Halliburton fell. Um, we could go through and talk about individual teams, but – uh, I, I'm more interested in discussing free agency. Any, any quick thoughts on the draft from you? Um, not really. I think it's, I think it turned out it made sense for like the T wolves to take Anthony Edwards. Cause I think it sounded like D'Angelo Russell did not want to play with LaMelo ball. And then, you know, I was interested to see what happened with the warriors once, you know, the news with clay came out and so clay towards Achilles and, and it wasn't abundantly clear what had happened on draft day, but I would assume the the Warriors knew that it was bad. I was going to be interested to see if they they pivoted away from Wiseman, who is you know had long term potential, but also is a great fit on their team now versus like maybe the higher upside play was Lamelo. But um, you know after that, like I think Lamelo going three made sense because those were the consensus top three players, and then you know everyone four through twelve except for Jalen Smith pretty much was supposed to be in the same range so you know any difference there wasn't particularly huge in the first place yeah 
I guess my one question I would have for you before we move on to free agency, since you're a Celtics fan, what are your thoughts on the Celtics not trading up to take Halliburton and instead waiting and taking is it Neesmith? Neesmith. Yes. Uh, you know, I think it's interesting. I think, I think Al Burton's a talented player. Um, I think he probably would have been a good fit um, on the Celtics. But, you know, I think they're also in, in need of wings, um, especially with Gordon Hayward now gone, which we'll talk about. And Neesmith has more size, probably a, more, a little bit more versatile of a wing defender. Um, they can really shoot it, which is, I think, something they really needed off the bench this year. So, I, I, like, I think Hal Burton was probably, is probably the better prospect, but Neesmith's probably the better fit all else being equal. And so it's not – I don't think it's um, too big of a deal. And at the same time, I, I don't mm. – I mean, none of us really know if the Celtics could have traded up if they if they wanted to. So, you know, I, I would have thought that the Suns should have traded back from 10 if they really wanted – Jalen Smith like I don't I don't yeah. think I don't think Jalen Smith was going before 13 or 14 so whether they traded back you know to a 10 or mm-hmm. to 11 or 12 or 13 with the Pelicans or whoever like it felt or 14 with the Celtics it felt like there probably would have been a natural trade there but again we're not privy to any mm-hmm. NBA trade conversations so we can't really say what the Suns turned down or didn't turn down what the Celtics offered didn't offer to move up but um, you know I think for the most part there wasn't anything crazy going on in terms of players falling or players being picked at, you know, super early. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Jalen Smith was probably the biggest surprise, but he went 10 and, you know, I don't think he was ever going to go after, you know, 22. And there was a lot of chance. There's a pretty high chance he went somewhere between, you know, 14 and 20. So like, I, that's not, nothing crazy happened. Like it sometimes happens in other years. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I am going to uh, poke a little bit of a hole in your statement that we are not privy to any NBA trade talks, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, Let's talk about free agency. So I I would say I went into this free agency not expecting a whole lot, I guess, relative to my typical NBA offseason expectations, um, because there just weren't that many big name players that were hitting the market. Like the biggest name in theory was Fred Van Vliet. I think no one really expected Gordon Hayward to be hitting the market. Um, So I really wasn't honestly that excited beyond just my normal level of NBA free agency excitement, but my expectations were exceeded. I thought it was a very fun 24 to 48 hours of news and moves um and ended up being pretty pleased with with how everything turned out just from a a league landscape perspective i know you may not have the exact same opinion there so let's go straight there um tell me what your thoughts are on gordon hayward signing with the hornets um and would love both your kind of celtics fan perspective but also what you think hayward and the hornets are thinking yeah so um hayward signed with the hornets for four years 120 million um a lot of money. There's a lot of money. Um, all guaranteed. Uh, had opted out of 34 million. And it's really interesting because I think when people were saying that he may opt out, they were saying maybe he'd opt out and sign somewhere for more long term money. But people were thinking whether it'd be like, you know, maybe three years, 70 million or four years, 90 million or, or whatever. They weren't thinking anywhere near um, on 4 120. Um, but I think what happened was once we saw Gallinari get $20 million a year and Joe Harris get four years, 75 and stuff, I think it was clear that like 
a healthy Gordon Hayward, which again is a huge, huge if, um, what you know is is worth more than those players, and so it, I think I it sort mm-hmm. of readjusted my expectations to see, you know, someone's going to give him four hundred or something, um, which which then made sense for me that he opted out because again, even though he's making thirty four was supposed to make thirty four million this year, if he made thirty four million and he got hurt again, like he's not going to get the three, you know, 65 or whatever would be necessary to make it to 400. So it's more of locking himself into value. Um, and it sounds like a lot of teams felt that way. Um, Zach Lowe reported the Celtics offered Celtics and the Pacers, which would have been a sign and trade, um, both offered at least 400. He said maybe a little more, but um, not anywhere near the, the four uh, 120 the Hornets offered. And so there was, there was a lot of, you know, suitors for Gordon and and give him you know the benefit of the doubt he opted out and he found himself a long-term home uh where he'll be making a lot of money in the next four years yeah so uh like what do you uh, obviously it hurts for the Celtics to have lost the guy in Hayward for basically nothing I was a little surprised they didn't try to make the sign and trade with Indiana work which I think sort of comes down to like Boston probably could have gotten Miles Turner in that deal, but must not have, have you know, valued him at, at what he's getting paid, which is, I think, three years and $54 million. It, What do you think on the Celtics kind of, I guess, lack of yeah, interest two in Miles Turner? I would say, one, um, like, clearly the Celtics and Pacers both both offered Gordon a lot of money, but not as much money as the Hornets did. So I, I, don't, I don't really know. I, I don't know if Gordon you know, like wanted to go to the Pacers but couldn't because because the Celtics and the Pacers couldn't agree to a sign trade or because he just chose the Hornets because they offered him the most money. I, I don't I don't know what the answer is there. But even even if he wanted to choose the Pacers, um it sounded like that the Pacers were gonna offer something along the realm of uh Miles Turner and McDermott. Um Miles Turner, like you said, is three fifty four or or whatever left on his contract. McDermott's expiring at seven or eight million um you know mcdermott's a fine player is he worth eight million dollars who knows it's one year it doesn't really matter um he could come off your bench um and be fine uh so it's really a question of of how you value miles turner um right you know i i think he's a good player but i think the potential of what you think he might be is better than what he actually is like he shoots threes but like he doesn't shoot a particularly high percentage. He shoots 34% or 35%. Um, and he defends the rim well in mm-hmm. shot blocks, but he's a horrible rebounder and he's, and he can get bullied obviously by, by bigger guys. So I think. Yeah. I wasn't super impressed with his performance in the team USA uh, stuff. I guess at this point it was like a summer. Yeah. And a half so ago. it's interesting. Cause I think at the time he signed his contract, it must've been four years, 72 million or four years, 80, whatever it was. Uh, now a season ago, people were saying that uh, you know it's a great deal, but I think where the NBA is headed now, it's like if you're not a super elite center, I don't like I don't know if you want to pay someone like that eighteen million dollars. Like I'm not saying he's a bad asset, and I think he would probably be tradable anyway, and so it might have, might have been worth close having it just because they could then move him in the future and you know try to aggregate a star that yeah. way, but like. You have like your Gobert's and Beads, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, Jokic's, et cetera, who are like worth more than that. And then like 
but like if you look at this free agency and we'll talk about all these guys but like you know if if Aaron Baines is going to make seven million dollars and Tristan Thompson's going to make nine million dollars yeah they're more veteran than Michael Turner is and like Abaka is going to make nine million and Marcus All who's probably a little washed but like is going to sign for the minimum and and all that like is it really worth it having a guy you know under contract for three years and fifty four million at center who's you know I don't know probably league average like. Uh, maybe a little better, but like it, there's lots of guys available. And from a roster construction standpoint, I'm not sure it necessarily makes sense to be paying a center, you know, 18 or $20 million unless they are truly, you know, one of the top seven or eight centers in the NBA. Yeah, I think that's right. And so in, in response, the Celtics decided, signed Tristan Thompson to a two year, $19 million deal. What are your uh, quick thoughts on fit. that? Um, you know, I think he'll pair well with Tice. Uh, Tice has one year left, five million, so I think that gives some insurance if if Tice is going to walk or, or demand too much money. Um, I don't know who's going to start. I think they're probably at pretty similar levels uh, with with Tice having more of a offensive sort of skill set in terms of um, making some jumpers, dribble handoffs, stuff like that. While Tristan Thompson is a more rugged uh, defender, but I think he'll be really helpful. Um, and I think part of this is like just having a guy that you can rely on at center that can go against the Embiid's and the Bams and stuff in a way that, that Tice can't always physically um, compete. And so I think it's a good fit. Um, but yeah. again, because Hayward walked for essentially nothing, we'll see if there's a sign on trade or not. There had been some discussion, some rumors about discussions on that front. Um the, the Celtics do have some limited wing depth, I would say. So I, I think it's a little complicated, but I think from their perspective, they're hoping that their young guys can step up and support Jalen and Jason. And I guess Marcus Smart is a wing. He's, you know, whatever. He plays every position, I guess. Um, so I think, it, I think yeah. it's fine. I, th- I think it's probably the right thing to do in terms of filling a need that was abundantly clear they had after the bubble. Yep. Got it. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. A, a good big signing. So just to tie up the Hayward thing, I think the the other piece of this that folks have been questioning is what are the Hornets thinking? Uh, they are a year removed from not even offering Kemba Walker the max to now pivoting to offering Gordon Hayward, who's 30 years old, coming off a bad injury. Uh, just hasn't looked like the same player for the last three years. $30 million for um, you know, four years. <laughs> when I first heard this signing, I said Batum 2.0, uh, who they had to stretch and are now going to have, I don't know, something like five or eight million dollars on their books every year for the next five years because of having to uh, clear his cap space to get Hayward. So I, I don't, I, I mean, I guess the gist of it is probably small market team saw a chance to sign a good player. I'm actually fine with the whole, like, why are they signing a guy that's not on their timeline? Because I don't think tanking is nearly as attractive of a proposal as it used to be with the way that the lottery odds now work. Um, And I I think it's a decent idea to, like, give LaMelo Ball a guy that he can, like, sort of grow next to and not just throw him into the deep end. Um, Because I'm not sure how many guys we've actually seen that work for. So that's my general thoughts on, on Hayward to the Hornets is like, it's weird. Like if they were going to try to compete in the next few years in any meaningful way, like I don't think it's a great use of money, but they're probably not going to be great in the next few years anyway. So maybe it just makes sense to like 
have another guy on your roster that's solid. Um, and you know, yeah, and there. you know, they'll probably be fine. They have Hayward, they have Rozier, they have Devontae Graham. You know, I think Lamelo probably won't be a positive player this year, but like, I think he can grow into something good. So, like, maybe they'll could be competing for like the, you know, nine seed or ten seed in the in the in the playing games in the East. Um, so MJ has that going for him. Yeah, I mean, classic Charlotte Hornets spot to be in. Um, okay, so uh, let's let's talk about the the Bucks. So they traded, and keep me honest here. Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, and three first-round picks for Drew Holiday. They tried to sign Bog- Bogdan Bogdanovich, I think Bogdan, away from the Kings, got in trouble for tampering, so that fell through, um, and instead settled for DJ Augustine, Bobby Portis, and Torrey Craig. Uh, and so that's where they're sort of left with, is I guess their starting lineup will be something like DiVincenzo, uh, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis, and Brooke Lopez. And then off the bench, they'll have Tory Craig, Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton, who they also brought back on a three-year, $12 or $14 million deal. Um, so, so tell me your yeah, thoughts I on the Yeah, I think it looked better, obviously, when, when they had Bogdanovich coming. Um, but I think it was good to get Drew. Um, three firsts is a lot. There's a couple swaps in there, too. It's obviously a ton to give up. But... Um, if they can convince Giannis to sign for the Supermax, I think it's worth it, obviously. So I think all of this is like, uh, let's hope Giannis signs for the Supermax. Uh, I think they're a little better than they were, just because I think Drew's obviously an awesome defender and as solid as Bledsoe is during the regular season. Like, the regular season is kind of irrelevant now for the Bucks. Like, it's just not worth talking about. Like, they're going to be good. They'll right. probably be the one seed. Like, they're going to win games because, like, they have Giannis and they have their style of play that sort of dominates the regular season, but like if they it's all about the playoffs and, and, and Bledsoe has been so horrendous offensively that like he's almost unplayable. So up to upgrading got to Drew is great. Um but I guess the question still remains is like, okay, yeah, Drew's gonna play down the stretch, Middleton will play down the stretch, Giannis will play down the stretch, but like who's gonna play next to them? Like there are games where where Lopez probably will, but like he is a big center still. And I think if it's sometimes tough for him to defend in space. So we'll see if he's out there. And then even if he's out there, like who do you trust to be the fifth guy? Do you, like they have DiVincenzo. I mean, DJ Augustine's yeah. solid, but he's so small. Um, yeah. He yeah. Torrey Craig's a great defender, but like he doesn't shoot it very well. Connaughton kind of the same. Um, Bobby Portis is probably not going to close any games, but like, they're fine. Um, they drafted a few second round picks who are both terrific shooters um, with limited upside, but like they just don't really have a fifth guy to close games. I think um, they really need DiVincenzo to, to step up and continue to improve. I think um, for them to reach their, their best in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and of course I think they will be in the market for some sort of trade, you know, in the, you know, at the trade deadline and stuff to upgrade. But um, I think I think it was a positive step for them, yeah. even though they might, even though they overpaid for Drew, especially if they can convince Giannis to sign the supermax before the season starts. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I think Drew Holiday, even even though like people have quibbled a lot about whether he's actually better than Eric Bledsoe, I think Bledsoe is so bad in the playoffs. Like he averaged ten and three or something the last two years, maybe twelve and four. Uh, that that even that like. 
marginal 20% improvement in the playoffs, I think can be enough to turn games one way or the other. So I like to trade in that sense, but yeah, I agree. They, they seem pretty thin now, especially thin on two way players. Um, but if you want some good uh, entertainment, everyone follow No Tech Ben on Twitter. It's uh, Ben Thompson who writes Stratechery, is a huge Bucks fan, and uh, he has been very upset at this offseason's happenings. Slash, he's like just gotten a lot of stuff wrong, which is also very funny because uh, he thinks he's always right. Um, okay, should we talk about the Lakers? Because I, I think they actually had a great offseason. Um, so uh, to give the quick recap here, they. Um, I guess flipped Danny green and a first round pick for Dennis Schroeder. They uh, signed Mark Gasol to like a, what a two year, like $5 million deal, something around the veteran yeah. minimum, maybe a little bit more. Um, and then they signed Montrez Harrell to uh, the full mid-level section. So two years, 19 million. Um, so, so their roster looks different. They also, they did bring back KCP and Markeith Morris. So those guys are the same, but um, no more Dwight Howard, no more JaVale McGee. And replaced uh, those guys with with the two other bigs that we just talked about. So, what what are your thoughts? Yeah, on the Lakers I, I was a little worried at the beginning in terms. I didn't love it when they signed Trez because I was worried they used the full MLE on Montrez, um, who I think is a good player, but like isn't going to close games for them, right? Like they're not going to close with Montrez next to uh, AD, I don't think. Um, and so I was like worried that no. they were just like spending all this money on an, a, a big when when you know, they could have just kept McGee and Dwight and then they, what they really need is the three and D wings. Right. And like, I, like KCP obviously had a great stretch in the bubble. And like, I think Danny green didn't play that well. And so I don't mind. Oh, I forgot. They, they also brought in uh West yes. Matthews on a veteran minimum. So yeah. snagged so, him away um, from the Bucks. He's actually on the, he's actually on the biannual, I think, but I think he made a little more than that. But, um, he, but uh, I was a little worried because when they signed Trez to the MLE, they're hard capped and they didn't have a lot of space. So I was, I was worried that they were going to get outbid for KCP and, and lose him. And then I, well, I agreed with the idea of trading Danny Green, who I think is close to washed at this point, um, for Schroeder. Danny Green to first for Schroeder. Like that, that obviously limited their, their three and D wings as well. So I was worried that if they lost KCP, they were going to be stuck because they had like they had Wes Matthews, but like if you Wes Matthews is a fine replacement for K, for Danny Green, but if you don't replace KCP, then like you're going to be stuck either playing a big or play like or like closing games with like multiple guards that you don't necessarily always want playing because like Caruso can't really shoot, like right. maybe he'll close close some games, but he's not going to close all of them. Or, or or whatever, or he'll close with Schroeder, which is fine. But like, if he doesn't have the ball, because 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 LeBron and AD do down the stretch, like he's kind of a defensive liability. Um, so I was worried about that. But when they got KCP back at three years, forty or whatever, I think it turned into, and then they ended up getting Gasol for the veteran minimum. Like, I think their roster rounded out really well. Um, I still mm. probably wouldn't have spent the mid level on on Montrez, not because I don't think he's worth it, but just because like I don't think he's a great fit in terms of like when they really need him, which is like when they really need players, which is like in the playoffs when things are important, like, yes, he, he'll be fine. And, and he'll help support the team when like with a ton of like non AD minutes, when it's LeBron and Trez pick and roll or like Schroeder and Trez pick and roll. Um, and that'll be helpful to them. But like, again, the playoffs, like there's going to be like five minutes of the game when LeBron's off the floor and like AD will always be on the floor for those minutes or whatever. So like there's less useful there. 
Um, but overall, I think they got they got better. And like a theme of what we'll talk about here is like I think most of the rest of the contenders. What you say in the West, it's like the Nuggets and the Lakers and the Clippers. And then the East, you say like you know Celtics, Nets, uh, obviously Bucks and and Heat. Um, like none of those teams, I would say, really got. To, that much better and I think the fact that they improve while everyone else kind of stagnated probably makes them even a bigger favorite to repeat this year yeah I think especially coming off the bubble and that like the fact that they were playing serious basketball games what will be two and a half months before the season restarts the Schroeder Harrell combo will be great I, I mean I'm kind of ripping off Zach Lowe here but basically they'll be able I think to get a lot of offensive firepower out of those two guys um, even if it is just in the regular season. And I don't know. I mean, even if you kick Trez out of their rotation, like you look at their top seven or eight guys in that'll be playing down the stretch. And I think it's still a really good rotation and not that different than last year. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's, especially when they'll be playing AD or at the five more in the playoffs, um, I think it's a fine signing and honestly it probably weakens the Clippers, uh, maybe not in the playoffs, but during the regular season, which is also big. Um, any other thoughts on the Lakers? I mean, not really. I think they're going to, I mean, obviously the Lakers are all, it's all about LeBron and AD. And I think, you know, essentially it's going to be LeBron and AD mm-hmm. to, to close games. And then it's going to be, you know, Wes Matthews essentially does the same thing that Danny Green does. So that's fine. And then KCP will still be KCP. And then the fifth guy, well, you know, be Caruso or Schroeder or Kuzma. So that's fine too. So I think in terms of like, I think they did a lot of stuff to, to fortify themselves for, for the regular season and, and for what's coming, um, which will be a weird season definitely. But I think in terms of like when things really matter in the playoffs, they'll be doing a lot of the same stuff with a lot of the same guys that they have in the past. So there's, I, I think for the most part, that's, that's the goal for them. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, all right. What, I think it's next? the Pistons. I mean, you're the Pistons fan here, so I'm giving you the complete floor to discuss everything that happened with the Pistons. And it was a lot of stuff. Like, they did a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's honestly been a bit of an emotional roller coaster for me um, because, you know, lifelong Pistons fan – huge fan when i was younger you know when they were on tv all the time and in the playoffs the bad boys no sorry not the bad boys um the bash boys uh you know the the ben wallace rasheed wallace i don't need to tell everyone about how great the pistons were in the early 2000s uh but then they have been locked into mediocrity for the last 10 years uh, no real notable players aside from like blake griffin for half a season when he played really well and then he's just been hurt um so they bring in Troy Weaver, former Sam Presti understudy. The man just starts tearing things down. He gets rid of Luke Kennard. He, uh, you know, he lets all of our free agents go, including Christian Wood. He's drafting young, high upside guys. Takes Killian Hayes, which I really loved. Um, you know, Bay from Villanova, who I think is a solid three and D wing. Um, I didn't love the Isaiah Stewart pick, but, um, you know, he was a, I think top five or top 10 recruit coming out of high school. So if they could harness that and they took Saban Lee from Vanderbilt, who I think is a high upside guard. So I love the draft. I, I like the fact that they got rid of Luke Kennard. So I did not want to see them pay him. Um, and then free agency happened and I was like, what in the world is going on? So 
They let Christian Wood walk. They sign Plumlee to a three-year, $25 million deal. And then the cherry on top was signing Jeremy Grant to a three-year, $60 million deal. So at first I was like, what in God's name is happening? But when I took a step back, and this is where after I'm done with this spiel, I would love for you to kind of sense check my logic as a neutral basketball fan is like, if you're the Pistons, like you're not going to be good presumably for the next few years. Like you're betting on your roster of young guys. Like maybe Blake Griffin will be decent, but like, you know, we're, we're probably not going to be competing for championships in the next three years. And so in that sense, like it doesn't really matter to me what they do with their cap space. Like they're going to have to fill it up anyways. They have Blake Griffin coming off the books in two years, which is kind of when they'll be ready to actually maybe start signing guys that would contribute to them being a good team. Um, so like, you know, while I'm not thrilled about them paying, you know, Mason Plumley, is it Mason or miles? Yeah, I always get them mixed up. Not thrilled about them paying Mason Plumley 8 million a year. Like you compare that to, okay, they could have been paying Dwayne Dedman 13 million a year. Like, you know, Myers Leonard got 10 million a year from the heat, which I understand is like a bit of a trade ship, but nonetheless, like. I think he'll be a really good pick and roll partner for Killian Hayes and will actually help with his development. Um, And then Grant, I think that one I have a little bit more qualms with like 20 million is a lot for a guy who is like a good role player basically, but he's really athletic. Um, You know, he's a six, nine guy who can play the three um, and defend two through four, I think is not something you find growing on trees in the NBA um and two or a year and a half or two years from now i think that'll be a super tradable contract like if you're a team coming up on the deadline and you want to make a push and you need a big athletic wing to cover lebron james or you know Kawhi leonard in the playoffs like jeremy grant might be the guy that you try to trade for so um i think the gist of it is like i was really excited for them to tank but I think tanking is much less attractive of a proposition as it was a few years ago. And honestly, like who has even tanked that it has worked for? Like the Sixers, like, like yes, they got Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and that's great. But like they haven't won a championship yet. And if you look at other teams like Toronto or OKC or even New Orleans that have kind of rebuilt on the fly, I think there's actually been a little more success there. So all in all, I'm pretty happy with the Pistons offseason. I might be ready to get back on the Pistons train full time. Um, but I'll pause there because that was like five minutes about me ranting. No, I think it's fine. Like, I think they're going to be I think they're going to be not good. So I think they gotta, do we need to like actively tank to be not good or they can, can they just be not good? At this point, with the with the flat moderate odds, <laughs> I don't think it really matters if they're like the worst team in the NBA or like the seventh worst team in the NBA. But um, I think the goal here, right. I think, we're, you know, we'll see what they do with Rose. I think ideally you'd probably like to trade Rose and then you'd like to have some just like period where you just show off Blake Griffin that he's healthy and then try to get some assets for Blake Griffin. I think that's probably what the right answer is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, you know, I think some of the things they did, I don't necessarily agree with. Like they did a lot of stretching and waving, which I don't really, I don't really like it. And yeah, look, that was... Again, none of that's official yet, I don't think, because... None of, none of these deals are official, so we'll see if maybe they're trying to trade Rose now and they'll trade Rose and that'll save money and they won't have to stretch and wave all these guys. But um, I just uh, keeping their cap sheet clean, I think would have been a little bit would have been better than what they did. But like for the most part, I don't mind them taking the shot. I like I wouldn't have played Plumlee what they did, but like I don't mind taking the shot with Kill- Killian Hayes. I like the upside. 
like Jeremy Grant is an overpay, but like again, like there's he's an overpay, but he's he's the nineteenth highest exactly. paid forward in the NBA. Which like I'm not here to, I'm not here to say he's like the nineteenth best forward in the NBA, but like that's kind oh, of just I, the going I, rate, I, I going rate, like, right? Like, like you're not they're not gonna get him otherwise. Like I guess you're choosing between like yeah, you're slightly overpaying Jeremy Grant, but like otherwise you can like slightly overpay someone else fifteen million dollars. Like who cares? Like that's what it takes to get him. That's what it takes to get him. And like yeah. you're not like again, they have like Griffin's gonna come off the books eventually, and there's not like a ton of guys they need to pay. So like it's not like their cap situation is bad. It's just like they need to, to try to get guys in and try guys out and like see if they can stick as good players in their team. Um, I don't really get why why they didn't resign uh, Christian Wood. Um, they, I, I feel like they either know something that we don't know, or Christian Wood just had no desire to come back to Detroit, which I wouldn't necessarily. Yeah, I mean that's, that's definitely possible too. And then the other thing is like. I'm fine with them sort of moving on from Kennard because they've been they've had Kennard for all this time and they know if they want to pay him or not pay him. So if you're not going to pay him, like it's pretty good to get the 19th pick for him and get Sadiq Bay, which is just re- again resetting with younger guys. I think I think they've they've had some contracts that like I probably don't love, but at the same time, like they just need a new influx of talent and like they just need a roster turnover and they don't need veterans and they're like they just don't need like a bunch of old guys who aren't good on their team. And I think they've been Trevor's done a good job of doing that so far. Yeah, I think if those Grant and Plumley deals had been four or five year deals, which I don't even think they could have done five year deals, but even four year deals, I would have felt a lot worse about it. But a three year deal is basically a two year deal with a good trade chip attached to the end of it, which I think a big switchable guy who can shoot threes basically is. So I'm I'm net okay with it, and um, I don't think it's. I think we should see how you know kind of the season plays out before we. Uh, spend too much judgment on on Troy Weaver and the Pistons, but I feel like they just got way too much crap for those two signings that were being like eva- eva- evaluated in a vacuum uh, from guys across the media. So um, yeah, that's that's what I want to say there. But that was um, talking NBA Pistons. If they get better, we may have some more of that. But let's let's move on. The last team maybe we talk a little bit about in depth is the Hawks because I think they're maybe a season or two ahead of the Pistons um and went even more aggressive in the direction of like signing veterans uh so what's the the quick yeah so walk the sign galinari three years 61 million sign rondo two years 15 million sign chris dunn two years 10 million and they have a four-year 72 million dollar offer sheet out to uh bogdan bogdanovich uh i don't think the kings are going to match it because i think they added a lot of like weird language in it that makes it tough for the kings to match or like really hamstrings the kings there um so so that's what they're they're doing again this is a lot of veterans in for a team that had previously been extremely extremely young and clearly wants to win this year um two things i really want to talk about with them quickly is like they want to win and i i appreciate that and like i think they have the upside of being like that maybe the sixth seed in the east um which is fine um, because obviously Trey Young's an amazing offensive player, and they've surrounded him with more veterans here. But like, I don't really understand bringing in four veterans um, to their team because they have young guys they still need to play. So like, yeah. if I look at their roster, they have Trey Young, a guard. They have Trey Young, Rondo, Chris Dunn, and Kevin Herter, who they drafted in the first round two years ago. 
Um, on the wing, they if they get Bogdanovich, they have Bogdanovich and Gallo, and then they have DeAndre Hunter, who they drafted fourth overall last year, and they have Cam Reddish, who they drafted eighth overall last year. And then a big, they have Capella, who they just traded for, Okongwu, who they just drafted sixth overall, and John Collins. So, like, that's 11 guys that need to play. Yeah. And, again, all these guys are either fresh signings or top 20 picks in the in the past three NBA drafts, who I think they, they're not giving up on any of them. So, like, I, it just feels like they have right. one too many guys if they get Bogdanovich. Um, and to me, mm-hmm. the guy they probably shouldn't have signed is Gallinari. Three years, 60 is a lot. Uh, he's obviously a very talented offensive player, but like he didn't look particularly. He was yeah, he, he was looked, getting benched he on the stretch of games for the Thunder, so like it just feel like it didn't make a ton of sense. Um, and I understand like he, the the owners have directed them to to go after winning hard, and I appreciate that, but like it just feels like they have a log jam now um, of too many players that like are that need to play, and they're gonna end up having to like sell low on one of their recent draft picks in a way that I probably wouldn't want to do. Um, the other thing here is like. Yep. What's gonna happen with John Collins? Like, is he a trade ship now? He's a, he has one more year in his deal. Like, he's obviously very talented offensive player. He's gonna make like, I would guess, eighteen or twenty million a year after this contract after this season. Um, and again, they they have this log jam. Um, and so I, I'd be interested to see if they mm-hmm. they maybe try to trade him. Um, it just feels like there's just too many guys yeah. there. You know what I mean? And, and, and like, that's 11 guys we talked about. Like, I, not that I really like a lot of the other guys in their team, but they have other guys who definitely can like play and like be your 10th man. Like Tony Snell's not good, but like Tony Snell has like, like he, Tony Snell should be like your 10th or 11th man, not like your 12th or 13th man. You know what I mean? So like, it just feels like they need to do something to consolidate or move on from someone they don't like or, or whatever. Otherwise there's going to be like a lot of, I think chemistry issues in their future. Yeah, I would bet that they must be set on trading John Collins. Otherwise, they would not have traded for Capella, drafted Okongwu, and then signed Gallinari. Because that's just too many. Yeah, games and I, I know I listed like Gallo uh, wing, but like really into today, like Gallo can't play anything besides the four, pretty much. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, yeah, so I, I think they're probably going to ship out John Collins, but. So yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. I, I, the season will be interesting. I think there are a lot of teams who were sort of in the middle of the pack that are maybe trying to like take a leap, um, especially in the East. Uh, and so that'll that'll be interesting, at least for me. Um, I think it's like a, a little bit more of a niche interest compared to like, oh, what are the Warriors and the Nets going to look like? But um, between like those teams, the Suns, I think there'll be some, some cool stuff to keep an eye on, but um, let's, let's run through some other notable things that happened. So uh, in Toronto, they signed back Fred Van Vliet on what was it? A four year, four year, five year player dollar deal. Um, uh-huh. Solid deal. I mean, it looks better compared to a lot of the other deals that got signed. It looks like Hayward and Joe Harris and Gallinari and stuff. I think Fred Van yeah. Vliet's deal is like way more fair than all those. So um, I, yeah, which was, I think was really necessary because they lost, Ibaka and Gasol. They so they have Baines and Boucher now at center. Mm-hmm. Um, they have Alex Len too, I think. But, you know, I think we should expect more of the same. A super competitive team um, should be, you know, still in the top four in the East. Uh, in Tampa, they're playing in Tampa this year. That's the other, the other news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Tampa, Tampa Raptors. 
Uh, so yeah, Ibaka moves to the Clippers, which I actually think this is a great signing for the Clippers. I think it, maybe three years ago, it would have been a little bit more the case or maybe four years ago, but I think Serge Ibaka is exactly the type of guy you want covering the Nikola Jokic and Anthony Davis types because he's still, you know, limber enough to move on the perimeter, but he's big and thick enough that he can, you know, defend yeah, inside and protect too. Like, honestly, I'd rather have Ibaka probably on most teams, but specifically on their team compared to Harrell, just because if like Carroll was never going to close yeah. games because like his job again is to score. And like they have, they have Kawhi and PG and like now they have Ibaka to play at center down the stretch and like space the floor along with whoever they decide to play. And again, they still have Pat Beverly. Um, they now have Kennard um, instead of Shamit and then, you know, Lou mm-hmm. will, et cetera. So, um, Sorry, Marcus Morris. Marquee, yeah, who they, Marcus. Who they sorry, Morris. Um, so, you know, I sort of expect them to close games now with Marcus Morris, um, Kawhi, Paul George, um, and then probably Ibaka, and then either Beverly or Lou Will or Kennard. So I, I think it I think it fits their team a lot better yeah. than than Montrez did, honestly. Um, yeah. And so I think it was a really good pivot once they lost Montrez to to the Lakers. Yep. I agree with that. Um, another West Coast team that I think had a pretty good offseason was the Phoenix Suns. So they traded Kelly Oubre and Ru- a pick. Rubio. And, Rubio. Uh, maybe a couple. Yep, and Rubio, sorry, for Chris Paul. And then they signed Jay Crowder uh, to like a three-year, $27 million deal. And they also re-signed Dario Saric. Um, so it could yeah, be it's a very, good-looking very Phoenix Suns Western team. Conference. I expect them to make it, but again, it's like, and the Western Conference is stacked. So uh, they should be in the competition for the six, seven, or eight seed, I think. And I, they also signed a uh, friend of the pod, Nate Hollenberg. It's one of, one of his favorite players, and that's, that's Langston Galloway. Underrated. Oh, yeah, you're right. Underrated. Um, yeah, so good, good offseason for the Suns. Again, and that's another team I'm excited to just see what they look like. We'll see if DeAndre Ayton can make a leap defensively. Um, Portland quietly had a very nice offer. I really liked it. What do you think um, of Portland's offer? They traded two firsts uh, in Ariza to get Covington, which I think is a great fit for them. They just need wings to defend. I think when they had their most success um, in the past around CJ and Dame, they, they had, you know, Aminu and Harkless on the wing. Um, and they've now added Covington uh, and Derek Jones Jr. on the wing. They re signed Rodney Hood. Um, they kept Mello as, I think, a bench piece. Um, and they, they have Nurkic back now, obviously. Um, and they have, they they brought in Cantor from the Celtics to get their backup center, who and he had some success for them too um, a few years ago. So I think they had a really really solid offseason. They they really need big wing defenders on the wing to help support hold up the defensive side of the ball while Dame and CJ can sort of carry the offense. Um, and Derek Jones Jr. and Covington are those guys. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Also, the fact that Covington got two first-round picks for the second time makes me feel even better about the Pistons having Jeremy Grant because if Covington can get two first-round yeah, picks and, twice, and I Jeremy, Grant, Jeremy Grant you know, a more versatile uh, offensive player than, than uh, Covington is. Yeah, yeah, arguably more versatile defensively as well. Yeah. Um, so uh, the next thing we had down here was uh, OKC has a million picks. 
Um, I don't know if we have enough time on this podcast to run through all of uh, what they've done this offseason, which is basically trade everybody for first-round picks. And I guess they have – I don't even know who they have at guard They have George Hill. Some they have George guys, Hill on their but, team. Uh, yeah. Who I, who, who I assure you will yeah, be traded for right. first-round pick at some he'll point. He'll probably get traded during the season, I would guess. Yeah, it's time for Lou Dort. Start Lou Dort of the That's two. That's all I have to say. Yes. And Poku. And Poku. Poku's, gonna, Poku's apparently coming over old, and they're going to play him in tall, the NBA. Like 185 pounds. It's going to be amazing. God, that is going to be terrifying. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have much to say there other than Presti's loading up and I'm sure he'll strike when yeah. the iron becomes hot. Yeah. Uh, one of the guys they traded away, Steven Adams, he got shipped to the Pelicans, which I, I don't know how that fit is going to be with him next to Zion, unless one of them has learned to shoot three-pointers. I don't love it offensively. I mean, I think Steven Adams is a solid player, but they also apparently signed him to a two-year $35 million extension, which, like, again, we talked about this multiple times in this podcast, but, like, why are teams paying – mediocre centers like, 17 yeah, like, and a half million dollars a year you could have just they also they gave a first round pick for him who was in his 27 million on his deal that like one year left they gave him a 235 extension it's like you could have just signed baines for seven million dollars a year for two years and like one not giving up the pick and two not paid for the center like you just like we talked like you, you were right when you say this like again this is another guy who's like probably a league average center it's like do we really want to pay him 17 million a year for two more years after this it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, yeah. Baines especially because he awesome launches three. Which is what they need. Um, I know. Miles Turner, I think, also yeah. would be a great fit there, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Who they'll, you know, or OKC will probably rehab and then trade for a first round pick as well. <laughs> I forgot that OKC has Horford. Um, so uh, the. The last the, one quick thing I'll just take note of is Bam signed an extension. Um, I think it got reported right before we hopped on that somebody else, uh, Brandon Ingram, also signed an extension. Uh, but the last thing is the Sixers actually have some shooters now. So Daryl Morey remaking that team. Um, I don't know. We uh, it, it might be worth doing a full Sixers pod at some point relatively soon because I feel like. Yeah, they've we'll had see. a lot of crazy I'd be happy stuff going to. I mean, on. I think I think Mori made two trades where I think they actually gave up the better player, but I think they're, it'll make their team much better. Like to me, Josh Richardson's a better player than Steph than Seth Curry is, but like Seth Curry is in a million times a better fit. And like Horford probably like semi-washed Horford is like better than semi-washed Danny Green, but they saved money one and two. Like Danny Green's like a million times a better fit, and then so it just makes their team better. They also signed Dwight Howard, yeah. which is like wild but that's fine yeah that's pretty weird i would love to like lock him and Jill and be in a room yeah, and just I, see what they talk about i don't don't really want to know <laughs> uh all right any any other thoughts on free agency otherwise i i have uh i have another round of draft trivia for you that uh, came from I, a listener, I have actually. draft trivia okay let's let's hear it yeah so this was from uh, first-time listener um, huh. Bill, a friend of my mother's, um, who asked, uh, "Who are the there three times in NBA history there have been drafts where the number one and the number two pick 
made the Hall of Fame. Oh, God. Who are those? Number one six and guys? number two made the Hall of Fame. Yeah. This is gonna be difficult. Uh I got I got one guy. You have what you got one guy? Yeah, I, I got one out of six. Like I assume magic Magic went one, right? And then someone went to the Hall of Fame after him. Is that right? That was one of my guesses, but um, that was not right because mm. Dave yeah, Green. I don't don't know second. that guy. It's not a great sign for his Hall of Fame uh, prospects. Did like Hakeem go one with someone who was like good going two or something? No, that was the MJ draft. So it was Hakeem one. Oh, and Brad. MJ Brad was three. Oh, Bowie. Sorry, sorry Sam Bowie. And Bowie. Um, Sam Bowie. Like Pat Ewing, maybe. Like, I also guess This is not Ewing going well for me. Not correct. Is there like anyone I should definitely get yeah. or not really? Like, There's one that's not that difficult from the early 90s. It's not the AI draft, like AI and whoever. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I no. just can't get. Like, is it like morning? It's, and it's somebody? a hard question. Lonzo and somebody. Yes, but Lonzo is two. I don't know who he followed up though. I have no idea. Who are the people besides? Oh wow, Shaq Alonzo. Shaq. Okay. Shaq and Alonzo morning. I like in maybe nineteen ninety two. Just for the record. Yeah. In 1968, Elvin Hayes and Wes Unseld. Yeah, me either. And then 1960, this was the one that I got one of the guys, was Oscar Robertson, who I did not get. And then... um, That one's like more... The the 68 one, I I was never going to get. Like, if I had thought about the 60s, I would have... I was thinking about, like, going back and, like, maybe doing, like, I don't think Bill Russell was a top two pick for like trying to like go back then. But if I th- thought about more, I probably would have gotten Oscar, and then I would have guessed Jerry West. But like, yeah. that's a hard question. How about how about how about the fact that if you were drafted in the with the ninth pick in 1960, you were a second round pick. So, so many titles. Also, here's 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 a follow up piece of trivia. Yeah. Uh, if you're game for it. Um, who were the eight teams in the NBA? Okay, in like the Celtics, the the Knicks, right? Uh, yep. I think like the Minneapolis Lakers, definitely. Like the the Philadelphia, correct? Actually, they, at that point, it's close. They might have been. Okay, but yeah, um, I think they were LA it's like, at that point. It's Philadelphia. Were they? But were they, What's before there? Is, like, were they the Warriors or something before 76ers? I want to say. Yep. Uh, yeah. So it was the Philadelphia. Yeah, Warriors. so it was the Philadelphia Warriors. There's one Golden more team State. in the Eastern Conference, which I think is like, like Buffalo or something. Is it Buffalo or Rochester? Or like, it's one of those. It's one of those upstate New York cities, isn't it? Got it, Syracuse. Syracuse and then Nationals. In the West, besides Minneapolis slash LA, uh, Chicago? St. Louis? No. 
Yes. The okay. St. Louis And then Hawks. there's two more in the West. I don't know. Like, how does Chicago not have a team? What is this? Oh, Detroit. Detroit they, they, basketball. Wow. And what was what's the last one? Yeah. Um. The Cincinnati. Wow. Big Royals. For, uh, city who became who became the Kansas City Omaha who became, Kings. Who became the Kansas City Kings. That's big friend of the pod. Will J. Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's that's just going Cincinnati, Detroit, Minneapolis, St. Louis, while not having Chicago. Is did you know that Detroit in the 60s was like the fourth biggest city in the US? Yeah, that's a little, uh, it's a little US history trivia for you. Detroit in the state of Michigan, the which is uh, the entire state of Michigan, is west of the entire continent of South America, in case you're wondering. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Did you know that Michigan is in the eastern time zone, but parts of Florida are yeah. in the central time I, I, zone? And, and Detroit is east of Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. There you go. Wait. The entire so that, South, the South America is, thing? So the Detroit Detroit is Michigan west of the entire continent what? of South America. Yeah. I looked it up on a Are map. Are you sure there, about right? that? So like yeah, I'll Peru right is east of Detroit. I mean Peru is east of Detroit, I don't, I don't have to say. Pretty clearly east of Detroit. I mean are we going to post this podcast with a photo of my maps? We can do it. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, you're right. You're I'll send right. you a photo to post wow. with the podcast. That is why. Wow, this yeah. this took a turn down quite the rabbit hole, but it's been a pleasure. Um, all right, well that's uh, that's free agency, that's draft trivia, that's draft, that's um, weird geographic quirks of the United States. Uh, in South America. Thank you everyone for joining us. Um, everybody have a happy Thanksgiving. Um, I don't know we'll what probably our talk next podcast will be about. We'll have to figure that out. Post another one though. NBA season starting in like four weeks, so we have to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah a month yeah, exactly. from Sunday, right? 22nd. SMH for all those uh, families that now don't get to spend Christmas yeah. together, but i um, happy that we'll have NBA basketball. All right, Sheed, it's been a pleasure.